in the Bible, it's divided into two sections. Good to see y'all. Bless you. It's divided into two sections, the old and the new. I want you to go to the New Testament. I want you to go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27. <clears throat> and I want you to look with me for a few moments, verses 13 through 26, if you will. 13 through 26 is what I want you to look at. Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 13 through 26. 13 through 26. I want you to get there. And um, I want you to get there. If I can get there, be great. Somehow when I get in my... In my phone settings change and it won't let me do what I need to do. Yeah. I can't hear, I can't hear nothing. I can't hear nobody. I can't hear nobody. I can't hear nobody talking. I can't hear nobody talking. I need somebody to let them know I got the mic. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm there now. In Acts chapter 27, I want you to look with me at verse 13. And uh, this is what it says. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 26. It says, we sailed, I'm sorry, when a light wind began blowing from the south. The sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a nor northeasterner or northeasterner burst across the island and blew us out to sea sailors couldn't turn the ship <clears throat> into the wind so they gave up and let it run before the gale we sailed along the shelter side of a small island called Cardia where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear, your Bible might say tackle, and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. 
no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all of this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives. <laughs> the ship will go down, but you won't lose your life. For last night, an angel, last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he told me, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everybody connected to me. So, take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. I want to talk to you for a few moments today for the time that is mine. I want you to help me preach. I want to talk today about let it go. That's what I want to talk about today. I, I want to talk about let it go. I need you to help me preach if you don't mind. Find somebody that you're comfortable talking to and look them in the eye and tell them, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. All right. God bless you. Be seated in the presence of God. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Please keep your Bibles open. It is my responsibility to walk us through this. Paul, who is the subject of our text, who served as the apostolic covering to Corinth and Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and Thessalonica, we see this same Paul giving great guidance to spiritual sons concerning prayer and discipline and how to endure persecution. But before Paul authors a third of the New Testament, before he wrote I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This gospel preacher who was uncompromising in his belief in God, church planting, 
And in addition to church planning, gospel promoting Paul had a pass. He had a pass. Paul is first introduced to us in scripture by his Hebrew name, Saul. Are you with me so far? Before Paul was doing all of this good stuff for the Lord, before he was saying, I thank God for every remembrance of you and that I am praying for the faith of the saints to grow exceedingly, it was the same man who was doing the persecuting of the saints. This same Paul was the one terrorizing the saints of God. This was the same man that was threatening the believers of Jesus Christ because of their faith. Now, if you want to see reset at its rawest and most powerful, then I need you to take a look at Saul of Tarsus, or who later becomes Paul. Watch, watch this, if you will. Please keep your Bibles. Watch in Acts chapter 9. It's going to be on the monitors for you in just a moment. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3, in verse 3, we're told that while he was in the midst of breathing out threats and slaughtering new believers and the disciples of Christ, the Bible says suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And we're told that he falls to the ground and he hears a voice asking him, what was he doing? And so Saul asked, who are you? And the voice responded, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Paul thought that what he was doing was the right thing to do. Y'all, listen, let's park here for a moment. May I suggest to you who are listening to me that for far too often when we have exhausted all of our focus and all of our energy, all of our dedication, devotion, time, and talent for a particular cause, and because we have been pretty successful in doing so, and because we have some popularity because we do so, we become deceived in the thinking that because we have it all together, and because we have popularity, that we've got to be right. When the reality is, we are dead wrong. May I show you all something the Bible says? I was a question. It wasn't rhetorical. May I, may I show you something the Bible says? Watch, watch Proverbs, Proverbs 14, Iris. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Watch what it says, you all. It says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So Paul thought what he was doing was right. He had the support of the high priest of the synagogue. He was told by the high priest to go and inspect the synagogue of Damascus, make sure there was no converts there. So Paul's life was not one of those lives we can blame on his condition. His life was not in shambles. His behavior was not because of some troubled childhood. He was well-educated. He was mentored by Gamaliel, the Pharisee expert in Jewish law. He knew and understood philosophy. 
He understood theology. He was knowledgeable of the divinity of God. He was a scholar who had a side hustle of making tents. Paul had all of the elements and the accomplishments of success to do whatever he wanted to do with his life. And yet he decided to persecute followers of Christ. Yo, he didn't understand that coming against the church was the equivalent of coming against Jesus Christ. Let me park here for a minute. I'm going to put some money in the meter and tell you all that we ought to be careful about how we handle people. We got to be careful how we handle people because God loves all of us. Even the people you don't like or agree with. As you do to his people, you do to him. So what I'm trying to get you all to see is that Paul had a soiled past. He had a soil past. Yeah, I, I bring this to your attention because many of us think and believe that our sins, that our past, and the trail of wreckage scattered behind us places you and I beyond hope and out of the reach of God. See, we believe you all that 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 um, our mess and our mistakes and our mismanagement disqualifies us from being reset. We think that our reputations are set in stone and there is no redemption for what, from what we used to be. Yet we are afraid that even if we were to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and become a part of this church, we would still be known as the ratchet person we once were. Listen, y'all, if Paul can take somebody if God can take somebody like Paul, who had blood on his hands, if God could use someone like Paul, who was a hitman targeting believers of Jesus Christ, if God could use somebody like Paul, who fought against the church of Christ, then how much more can God use somebody like you and me? Ah. Uh. Though Paul had a jack up, jacked up past, may I show you what Jesus said about him? Look, look, look at Acts 9, same chapter. Watch verse 15, if you will. Verse 15, watch what it says. It's on the monitor for you. Watch what it says. Y'all says, it says, go for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine, God, to carry my name. Oh, God. Y'all don't know when to shout. I'll do it again. I said, the hitman, the one who has been, y'all, persecuting believers, has been chosen by God to carry his word in his name. Are y'all hearing me? Before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Wow. Yo, just as Paul was a chosen instrument, I come all the way to tell y'all today, you too are a chosen instrument 
of God who has given you the opportunity to reset. I hear you. Hey, Pastor, are you sure you're talking about me? Let me help y'all. John, if there's breath in your body and you are still breathing, then you have time to reset. Paul's radical transformation changed the elements of human history. Oh, man. It changed the elements of human history. Therefore, no one, no one. Somebody say no one. Look, look, look across the road and tell somebody, no one is beyond God's reach to be used by him. <sighs> Regardless of your past, God can still use you. Okay. At the point of our text, at the point of our text in Acts 27, Paul has already received the Holy Spirit. He's been baptized. And now he's working for the Lord and not against the Lord. Let's go a little further. Allow me, Brother Ralph, to give unto us context to the text. All right? I want you to look at this context. Here's the context. Because here's the question. How did Paul end up where he is. That's the context. And let's work through that for a moment, bro. Um, three chapters leading up to our text explains, Nikki, why this adventure at sea has come into play. So, let me give it to you. Paul had been on trial for disturbing the peace and supposedly inciting an insurrection. <laughs> you ought to be familiar with that one. <laughs> now, if you look at the text, you all, if you look at the Bible, Acts chapter 24, Acts chapters 24 through 26. Just, just log, log it in your notes. Those three chapters, chapters 24, 25, and 26, you'll discover that Paul is on trial for his life. So in, that, in, that, in those three chapters, he stood before three kings. Three kings. He stands before three kings. The first one was Felix. The second king is named Festus. And the third king is Agrippa. When Paul stood before all three of the kings, he simply gave unto them his testimony. Here's what he tells them. He says, I was walking down a road and something happened. <laughs> Let me help y'all, Dr. Mike. That happening, that something was really someone. And his name was Jesus. He says, he changed my life. And I want to tell you about him. The Bible tells us that when Paul gives his testimony, that Felix trembled. Festus wavered and waffled. Agrippa almost became a Christian. Now, Festus, however, decided he would attempt to be politically correct and do something he felt would put him in good graces with the Jewish people. 
So he determined to send Paul back to Jerusalem to be tried by them there. Paul, however, appealed that the decision, he appealed that decision. Paul said, no, 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 I need to appeal that decision because Paul knew that it was going to be dangerous for him to go back to Jerusalem, that he would never make it back. They would kill him before he got back there. And because Paul was a Roman citizen, he had dual citizenship, he was given the opportunity to appeal to Caesar in Rome. This is how Paul ends up headed to Rome in this ship. How am I doing so far? Are you tracking with me? Paul is now in the ship because they have brought up some trumped up charges on him. Rather than accepting their penalty of going back to Jerusalem, he appeals the decision. And now they place him in a ship. He's being escorted by a Roman centurion and a host of Roman soldiers. They hire an um, Alexandrian ship, probably a wheat ship going to Egypt by way of Crete and Italy. It's a large ship, 276 passengers. Besides the cargo was on the ship. They boarded the boat. According to chapter 27, watch verse 4. I'm now in the text. Watch verse 4, uh, which tells us that the winds were contrary. Y'all, they had the winds were contrary. Y'all see that? They were contrary. Verse 4, which tells us that the winds were blowing. They were, they were on the boat. Their destination is Rome. It's past the sailing season. And the winds are contrary which means that they were not making much headway in their travels. Generally speaking, y'all, this was not a good time to be on the sea sailing. Bible tells us that they were able to make it to a place called Fair Haven. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. We're now down at verse 8, um, chapter 27. They make it to a place called Fair Havens, and um, they get there. Paul stands up and says to them on board, hey, listen, y'all, let me tell y'all, if we keep going the way that we're going, there will not only be a loss of the ship, there will also be a loss of our lives. He tells them it's not good for us to go on. The centurion decided, rather than listen to Paul, who had already been shipwrecked at least three times, of which one of those times he spent all night and the next day at sea, rather than listen to Paul, he decides to follow the wishes of the majority because the majority, y'all, thought that they could make it and so they decided to go for it. All right, come here. Let me park here for a minute. And he tells somebody that the majority doesn't make stuff right. I know you were waiting for it. I want to give it to you. I don't want to disappoint you. I'll say it again. Y'all, the majority doesn't make things right. And may I suggest to you that you ought to stop letting the majority control your morality. Morality is not legislated by the majority. It's determined by God. Are y'all hearing me? Listen, I want to give somebody a license today. Because the majority does something does not mean that it's right. 
And you ought to stop letting your life be governed by the majority. You are a peculiar people. And those who travel on the road where God's taking us, it's narrow and there are very few travelers on the road. So how you go? How you go? What, 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 what you think? Huh? What y'all think I ought to do? Y'all, let me, can I, can I park here for a moment and just tell y'all something? If I could get y'all to spend as much time with God as you do with Google and asking other people about their opinion about your life or what God's called you to do, you would have a better shot of going in the right direction if you could take that same energy and use it to talk to God. Who am I preaching to? Okay, all right, so, so, y'all, y'all, listen, let me help y'all with this. In case, let me give y'all a grandmama cornbread version, in case you don't know it. Let me help y'all, here, here it is, y'all. The majority can mess us up. Bottom line. When a good south wind began to blow, let me, listen, when a, a good south wind, watch verse 13. Here it is, Latonia, verse 13. They said, um, oh, that's our sign. We can make it. So they pulled up anchor and they set sail. Y'all missed it. Let me do it again. Hey, Gail, this is what happened. So, so um, Paul stands up and tells them, this ain't a good idea. <laughs> Y'all, we can't do this. And we ought not do it. A wind comes and the Bible said it was a good south wind that made them believe they could do it. <laughs> How many times have you been told this ain't good? But they presented you with some um, good terms that just seem like it's a good opportunity. Only to get out there and find yourself stuck. Y'all ain't helping me. Come on. Okay. All right. So here, here, here we go. Here we go. Verse 13. Watch this, Charlie. Verse 13. Verse 13. They said, oh, that's, a, that's our sign. It's a, it's a good wind. A good south wind began to blow. And according to verse 3, they said, oh, that's our sign. We can make it. So they pulled up anchor, set sail. Shortly, shortly thereafter, shortly thereafter, shortly thereafter, they were caught up in a tragic storm. The storm drove the ship. In fact, the scripture tells us that the ship was out of control. They wrapped the ships with cables trying to keep it together. They put out a sea anchor. They did everything they could do to save the ship right out the storm. Watch this. But Davis, for 14 days, for 14 days and nights, ship was being battered and beaten by the storm. Based upon our text, there were three things. Listen, three things the crew did that I believe that we're going to have to do in order to reset. I'm going to give you all these three things, and I'm going to leave you alone. All right? On this Reset Sunday, 
There are three things you need to do. Three things I need to do. Here's the first thing. Y'all ready? The first thing we need to do is lose what we have placed value in. Oh, yeah. We got to lose what we've placed value in. Okay. I knew y'all were going to look like this and act like this, so let me see if I can show you. You got your Bibles open, don't you? Look at verse 18. Verse 18. Verse 18. Do me a favor. Take, go back to the, go back to the, go, before we go to 18, go back to the screen before that. Somebody was trying to take a picture. Go ahead and get it. Make sure you get it. Lose what we have placed value in. Now give me the text. Watch verse 18. Thank you, Darnell. Watch verse 18. Here it is, y'all. Verse 18. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ships, the crew began throwing the what? The what? The what? The cargo overboard. In other words, y'all, they had to let go of what meant a lot to them. Y'all, please, don't make me work hard today. All right? Let me go back and get you one more time. Hit the rewind button. Here it is, y'all. Y'all, they had to let go of what meant a lot to them. They had to let go of what they had placed value in. The Congo is a part of their purpose for being out there on the sea in the first place. Y'all, let me help y'all because y'all still missing it. They get paid for the cargo. And if they don't bring no cargo, y'all, they don't get paid. When the storm comes, they have to reevaluate what's really important in their life. You, you got to reconsider what's really important. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, y'all, God has a way of helping us to reprioritize our lives through storms. Y'all, God has a way of helping us to recalibrate through storms. God knows how to use a storm to get us to see what's really important in life. The cargo had value to them. This was how they made their money. This was how they made their living. Money is how they could acquire what they wanted. Listen, y'all, if we're going to reset, if we're going to be reset in order to have life and have it more abundantly, we're going to have to make some critical decisions. We're going to have to decide whether, y'all, his priorities are going to be our priorities. Yeah, we're going to have to decide whether what, we, what he values is what we value. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things I will add unto you. In other words, y'all, when we make God more valuable than what we want in life, when we make God, make him first, he'll add the rest unto us. Now come here. Come here. Let me ask you. Lean in. Got to ask you something. What is it? that you have placed more value in than God that needs to be thrown overboard. What needs to be thrown overboard? Okay. Who 
needs to be thrown overboard in your life. What is it that you have built your life on that God's trying to demonstrate is not worth it? Are y'all helping me? See, too many of us are placing value on the wrong stuff. Huh? Yo, now I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know what it's like to not, y'all, want to let some stuff go. Huh? Y'all, see, sometimes our biggest enemy is our inner me. Huh? Y'all, there, 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 there is a way of life that I don't want to let go. There are some relationships that, um, y'all, y'all I, I'm trying to hold on to. I don't want to let it go. I, I, I know, I know it's toxic, but, but I don't want to let it go. Y'all, there are moments and memories I've had with them that I'm trying to hold on to. And I don't want to let it go. I, I know, I know I need to let it go. I know it's over. I hear God saying, that was then. This is now. And in order to get you, y'all, where God wants you to be, you're going to have to let go some stuff. I'm trying to get y'all to see and trying to keep y'all from having to go through the storm unnecessarily. There's some stuff God wants us to just go ahead and throw it overboard. Huh? See, too many of us, y'all, are placing value on the wrong stuff. We believe that the estimation of who we are is clearly defined by position, by prestige, and by possessions. And that's not so because positions can be taken away. Prestige is fleeting and possessions don't last. Our lives cannot be defined by what we wear and how much money we make or where we live or who our job, what our job is. God is what gives us value. May I say it one more time? God is what gives us value. How many y'all, y'all, how many of y'all know it's God? Not how many fake friends we have on social media. My, my value is not determined by how many likes or views I get on my post. My value is not based on whether you let me in your circle or not. Are y'all hearing me? These guys had to let go of their cargo, that which they valued. And they made a choice to release what they thought was important in order to keep moving. They had to make a choice between what they valued or continual progression. If they stay stuck, it's going to affect them and everybody connected to them. <laughs> May I suggest something to you all? Your resetting is not just about you. Your resetting is bigger than you. It has an impact that's bigger than you. If you refuse to reset, then your family will be stuck. Your community is going to be stuck. Your church is going to be stuck. Our nation is going to be stuck. Listen, y'all, it's in the progression that things get better. Would you do me a favor and just go ahead and put that down in your notes for me? It's not on the monitor, but just go ahead and put it down. It's in your, it's in your progression. 
It's in the progression that things get better. Is there anybody I'm talking to ready for better? I'm sorry that was half of y'all. I'll try one more time. Is anybody ready for better? Is anyone ready for better? Well, let me drop this on y'all. Better means we've got to leave some things behind. There's nothing so precious as Jesus to me. Let earth with his treasures be gone. I'm rich as I can be. When my Savior I see, I'm happy with Jesus alone. Charlie, I lost them right there. That was a hymn. That's a hymn. I, I messed up this contemporary crowd. That's a hymn. Y'all, I'm happy with Jesus alone. I'm happy with Jesus alone. I'm happy with him. Y'all, though poor and deserted, thank God, Jeanette, I can truly say, I'm happy in Jesus alone. Listen, y'all, may, may, I, may, I, may, I, may I tell you all what God told me to give to you on this reset Sunday? Better is still ahead of you. Ah. Man, I, I don't know who that's for, but it's still ahead of you, okay? Y'all, 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 better is still ahead of you. I, I know you've had some good time, but I want to let y'all know what God's asking you to do in terms of resetting. Y'all, you're going to get what's even better than what you've had before. Better is still ahead of us. So, so, God, so, so God, 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 God is what gives us value. So the first thing we need to do is to lose what we have placed value in. Can I give you one more? Let me give you number two. Here it is, y'all. Y'all, we got to let it go. We got to let it go, okay? Here's the second thing we, we're going to have to let go. The second thing that we are going to have to do is lose our need to be in control. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Ooh. I came to get you today. I got this. I'm sorry. You're going to have to lose your need to be in control. Okay. Pastor, where you get that from? Watch this, Bishop. Watch it. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. I'm in the text. Watch verse 19. Here it is. Verse 19. Um, the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear. Your Bible might say tackle. Um, took some of the ship's gear, some of the ship's tackle, and they threw it overboard. Varney, so here's the question. What's the purpose of the tackle? That, that's the question, Deacon Yvonne. Um, the ship's gear, the ship's tackle is what they used to control the boat. It's what's used to steer the ship. They got rid of the sails, the anchor, the anchor, and the cable. Bible tells us that the next day after the storm kept beating up against the ship, that they, the crew, threw their means of control overboard. I wish I had someone to see this, y'all. It's in the text. Could it be? I'm just asking, y'all. I ain't meddling. I'm just asking. Could it be 
that the reason you're still going through what you're going through is because you won't let go of the steering wheel. Child, I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just drained. I don't quite know what I'm going to do. Y'all, the problem is, you driving. You got to have the power. You keep trying to control the situation because you think you know better than God. Okay. Yo, yo, listen, 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 listen. Yo, we, we got to, we got to lose. We got to lose it. We got to lose it. We got to lose what we, in fact, are literally trying to control. Lose the control. Bible says, y'all, the next day, after the storm kept beating up the ship, that the crew threw their means of control overboard. They threw it overboard. Y'all, God will let us stay in the storm of our life until we are willing to acknowledge that for him, for in him, we live, move, and have our being. I'll do it again, y'all. I said, y'all, God's going to let us stay in this storm of a life until we are willing to acknowledge that for in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, here's the Grandma Cornbread version. Without him, we can do nothing. God will sit on the side until we let him do the driving in our lives. And at some point, we're going to have to recognize that my intelligence is not enough. Your relationships and connections are not enough. Your resources and your money won't be enough. Your good looks, for whatever they are, your physique will not be enough. Your spider eyelashes and your hair, put it in your, listen, I don't care what you do, it's not going to be enough. You need God. Are y'all hearing me? I don't care how much green stuff you drink and put in your body. You need God. I don't care how much of a vegan you might be. You're going to still need God. Y'all, they realized they were unable to do what needs to be done in this situation. Y'all, could it be that God has allowed what you are going through to be a means of that which can teach you how to manage the life he's given you. See, he's trying to show you how to make it and develop it instead of him having to send it to you. Woo. I'll do it again. I said, God, God's trying, trying to teach you how to make it and develop it instead of him just sending it. God, send me the money. No. I ain't sending you no money. I'm going to show you how to make it and how to be a good steward over the money I give to you. Y'all, too many of us want God to get us out of jams and God said, I ain't getting you out. I'm going to show you that I can develop you and make you in the jam. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Y'all, we got to lose what we've placed value in. We've got to lose our need to be in control. I got to cut across the field, y'all. My time's gone. Here's this. Time been gone. Let me do this, y'all. Here's a, here's a, 
Here's the third thing. Let me give you number three. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm going to just cut cross field give it to you. Here it is. Here's the third thing. Here it is. What, what was the first one? We got to lose our what? We got to, whatever we have value, we got to lose it. What's number two? Whew. We got to lose our control. I lost y'all right there, those two. Maybe I can get you with this one. I don't know. Y'all looking like, you know, I'm uninterested. That's why you're in the mess you're in. Because you think you know more than God. And let me just help y'all. You're going to continue to be right where you are until you give God what belongs to him. Okay, all right, all right. Here's number three, number three. I said I was going to move. I wasn't going to do this. Okay, number three, number three, number three, number three. Y'all, thirdly, we're going to have to lose our sense of direction. Preacher Chantal, right here, right here. I lost all of them. I just lost them. Okay, all right. Pastor, where is that? I'm glad you asked. Watch the text, verse 20. Look at verse 20. Verse 20, here it is. Turbo storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Okay, here it is, y'all. I need you to know that their hope is gone, not just because of the weather. They lost their hope because they could not see their plans were not working. Now, now watch this. Paul, this was interesting. They didn't lose hope, Deacon Larry. They didn't lose hope when they lost the cargo. Didn't lose hope when they lost the tackle. It wasn't until they lost direction that they lost hope. Preacher Martina, I see you, baby. Y'all, it wasn't until then they lost their hope. They lost their hope because they could not see their plans working. Wasn't working. This, this ship was battered in a storm. Couldn't see neither the sun nor the stars. Now listen, listen. This was critical for them because in those days it was the sun and the stars that helped them to navigate. They didn't have our modern-day instruments to help them navigate. They didn't have any compass, you know. I was flying this past week, and I've uh, been, been flying back and forth, y'all. And, uh, y'all, while I'm in the airport, news report comes on that the pilot of the airlines I'm flying on faints and um, has to be given medical treatment. Now, I don't know about y'all, but let me just ask y'all. I want to know who's flying the plane. When the pilot can't be there. Y'all ain't helping me preach. Now, let me help y'all. See, now, you, 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 you don't know this, but let me just kind of educate you. Y'all, they have, they have navigational tools now. Y'all, they, they can land a plane without the pilot. But don't ask me to be on that plane. Like, I, don't, I ain't trying to. Y'all, but, but back in this day, John, they didn't have navigational instruments like that. They didn't have a compass. Y'all, they, they used the sun and the stars for that. 
That's what they used as their guide. They, they couldn't see the sun or the stars for two full weeks. So they literally didn't know where they were or which direction they were going in. Bible says they lost hope. When these men could not see, they lost their hope. When they could not chart a way out from their situation, they lost their hope. Let me say it again. When they could not figure out a way, they lost hope. When their plans didn't work, all hope was lost. Threw the cargo overboard because they thought it would help them. They threw the tackle overboard, but that plan failed. And not, not that none of their plans worked, but the, the fact that they couldn't see how to navigate. They lost all hope. Please hear me, you all. I'm through. Yeah, we, we, we have great plans and ideas for our lives that we believe gives us a sense of direction and purpose for our lives. Here's the problem, y'all. The problem with those plans and ideas is that they are our ideas and plans. And there's nothing wrong with having plans and ideas of your own. However, those ideas and plans become problematic when our plans and our ideas and our methods that we use for dealing with the adversity that life sends are in conflict with what God's plans and ideas are for us. Y'all, some situations in our lives had to happen. They had to happen. Some situations had to seem impossible. Some relationships had to end. We've had to lose the some job. We had to lose that job or even not get the job we wanted. Y'all, we had to downsize. We had to cut back. We had to be evicted. We had to be homeless. Here's why. Here it is, y'all. Because less than desirable experiences in our lives can have redemptive value when we invite God into them. All right, okay, all right. You can petty, petty cake all you want to, let me help you. Listen, 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 listen. It ain't gonna happen until you realize who's making it happen. Are you hearing me? Yo, yo, verse 20 tells us that everyone on board simply gave up hope. And in the midst of all that dark time, a voice was heard, I'm through. Voice said, take courage. Bible tells us, he said, take courage. We're not going to perish. An angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve appeared to me last night and said, we're going to lose the ship. We're going to lose everything on it. But we ourselves will be saved. Not a one of us will be lost. Well, y'all, losing our sense of direction demands that there are some things that must change. Y'all, we can't do what our original plans were. We can't go back to business as usual. God is demanding that we change. And I've come today to tell you, in the natural, we have shifted. But we've also shifted in the spirit realm. Y'all, we have shifted into a season of open doors. And in this season of your life where God's taking you and what God desires for you, the things you used to rely on, including yourself and your old methods of operation, are no longer sufficient nor effective. God has shifted the atmosphere. 
And could it be, y'all, that the tension of this season that we are in is that the unfortunate reality is that too many of us are stuck, stuck where God was. And if we are stuck where God was and weeping over what God did, then we can never embrace what God's trying to do in our lives. And I've come today to tell you that God sent me to tell y'all today, if you just go ahead and reset, I will shift the environment. I've already made some plans for you. I've already determined some things in the heavenlies. I've already made some thoughts and some plans that if you go ahead and shift, I will come to your rescue. I come today denounced that Carolina I know the storm is blowing winds are blowing rain is falling I know it's coming down but I've come today to tell you God told me to tell you if you just hold on and make the shift he's going to make everything alright I've seen the lightning flashing and I've heard the thunder rolling I felt sin breakers dashing trying to conquer my soul but then I heard the master of the sea telling me fight on because he promised never to leave me he promised never to leave me alone is there anybody in here who knows God will make a way out of no way is there anybody in here who knows the day that if you reset God will fight your battles is there anybody in here who can testify I was down but it picked me up is there anybody in here who can testify I was hungry and he fed me is there anybody in here who can testify now I once was young but now I'm old but never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread is there anybody in here who knows God will make a way would you do me a favor grab your neighbor Take your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, if you let it go, God will make a way. If you let it go, God will provide for you. If you let it go, God will heal your body. If you let it go, God will make a way out of no way. Come on, y'all. Praise him now. Come on now, give God your best praise. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Don't fool me now. Is there anybody in here knows God will make a way out of no way? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Better is coming I said better is on its way now better means I got to let some stuff go but I need the better because where I am I can't stay there 
I said, where I am, I can't stay there. Is there anybody in here? No, I'm preaching right. Where I am, I can't stay there. I need better. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I got a message for you. I got a message for you. Here it is. You've been mourning over what you lost, but I got news for you. Mourning is coming. I'll do it one more time. I said, you've been mourning over what you lost. You lost your cargo. You lost the stuff you place value in. You lost your control. You lost your power. And you've been mourning over it. But I got news for you. Mourning is coming. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in 